Welcome to White Collar Briefly, a Perkins Coie mini-pod. Delivered in short doses, this mini-podcast features informal, on-topic discussions with in-house experts, outside counsel, and other thought leaders on a wide array of cutting-edge and practical white-collar and compliance topics. Visit PerkinsCoie.com for more information on our nationally ranked white-collar and investigations practice. On this episode of White Collar Briefly, Perkins Coie partner Chelsea Kirkman speaks with Ilaria Curti, head of the Internal Investigations Group at Portolano Cavallo in Rome, about trends in and the future of internal investigations in Italy. Topics covered include the 2019 European Directive on Whistleblowing, as well as how recent amendments to Italy's anti-corruption laws are starting to affect both when and how companies choose to conduct internal investigations and their attitudes towards self-reporting of potential wrongdoing. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Perkins Coie LLP and should not be considered legal advice. Well, hello, this is Chelsea Kerfman. I'm a partner in the White Collar and Investigations practice at Perkins Coie. And I'm joined today by Ilaria Curti, who is the head of the Internal Investigations Group at Portolano Cavallo in Rome, Italy. It's great to have you here today, Ilaria. Oh, great to be here, Chelsea. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Yeah, and I know our plan today is to talk about kind of internal investigations in Italy and in Europe in general. But before we jump in, can you give me a little bit of your professional background and then your focus of your practice. Oh, yes, yes. I'm a a criminal defense lawyer, and I recently joined Portolano Cavallo in February 2020, so just before the pandemic, not very lucky moment, to lead the white-collar crime and investigation practice. I spent my last 10 years with DLA Piper in the White Collar Crime and Investigation Group, and my focus is mainly in uh, defending people, uh, individuals and companies before course, but also carrying out internal investigations uh, and also working on compliance programs. So that's very similar to my practice as well. So it's great to have this chance to talk to you today. You know, I think the first question I have as the head of the investigation group for your firm and given your history, I would love to hear if you've noticed any trends in either in criminal enforcement in Italy or in the internal investigation space in the last few years. Uh, Yes, there are different trends. But what I find of greatest interest in the most recent enforcement trends is the intersection between regulators' investigations and prosecutors' investigations. It is in fact increasingly common, especially in the antitrust, data protection and anti-bribery sectors uh, for investigations to be carried out uh, not only by the public prosecutors uh, but even earlier by the regulators. And so this uh, entails the risk that companies uh, are sanctioned by different authorities. In my recent professional experience, to give you an example, I have had the opportunity to assist a client on a large criminal investigation for corruption, bribery, and I started conducting the internal investigation, focusing on what were the prosecutor's allegations, but at some point we had to broaden the scope of our investigation because the anti-corruption authority had also initiated a parallel proceeding against 
host the company to verify very specific issues. And so this is happened very frequently. And uh, other example, uh, especially now that the pandemic uh, has led to an increase in cyber crimes, uh, uh, is that data breaches and cyber threats are being investigated by both the privacy authority and prosecutors. So I'm working very closely with my colleagues of the data protection practice in internal investigations involving data breaches. And the same uh, happens also with the price fixing practices, which uh, in Italy were traditionally investigated only by the antitrust authority because antitrust violations are not crimes in Italy. But now they are also investigated by public prosecutors in case the misconduct is carried out in the context of public tenders. And this, of course, has an impact on internal investigations because uh, what I see are two main consequences. First, uh, that companies uh, start thinking to internal investigation at an early stage, so when mainly when regulators knock on the door. And second, that it's more and more useful that teams working on internal investigations are composed uh, not only of white-collar professionals uh, like ourselves, but also of other colleagues with different backgrounds. And that's really interesting to hear because, you know, I think for a lot of us in the U.S. that are working with really very large U.S. companies, you know, they're accustomed to starting their investigation very early, right when a regulator may first start looking into an issue and and long before, you know, prosecution of individuals gets involved. So it's interesting to hear that you're sort of shifting that way in Italy right now with companies recognizing the need to start a little bit earlier with those investigations. Yeah, yeah, this is what I see. Also because in Italy, maybe you know, uh, internal investigations are something particularly new Mm-hmm. Uh, for Italian companies, uh, for multinational ones, no, but Italian companies uh, start to consider internal investigations in the last 10 years. When you are handling those investigations, it sounds like you may be doing both the investigation for the company and the criminal defense for some of their employees. Is that the case? Not really. The case is that uh, I carry out the internal investigations for the company and the defense of the company in criminal proceedings because, yes, we have corporate criminal liability in Italy. It's really interesting to hear how that is shifting. You know, we think of it as a more developed practice here in the US. So it's kind of interesting to hear from someone who's in a country where that's a newer development. Another question I had for you, you know, for particularly for listeners in the US, when we think of internal investigations overseas for us, you know, we're usually thinking in the anti-corruption space. So the FCPA, or the UK Bribery Act, or or similar laws. What's the latest development in that area in Italy, or to the extent in in other countries that you know in Europe more broadly? In Italy, the anti-corruption laws have been amended very recently in 2019, and they now include, among others, provisions encouraging companies to conduct internal investigations and self-report, which is something quite new for for Italy. Specifically, the, the offenders are not punished if they 
voluntarily self-report before having knowledge of being investigated and provide useful information to the prosecutors. And the same happens also for, from a corporate criminal liability perspective. So companies now may benefit from a reduction in penalties if they adopt remedial measures and cooperate with prosecutors sharing the findings of the internal investigations. So this is a very new in our anti-corruption law. And now in Germany, I read that there is a discussion over a draft bill on corporate criminal liability, in which, if I remember correctly, a reduction of sanctions should be provided if companies cooperate with prosecution's authority and carry out internal investigations, making available the findings. So I think that we are now starting in Europe to have processes similar to the one in the US and the UK. That sounds a lot like what the DOJ has been doing for the last few years with FCPA matters, uh, with their enforcement policy and evaluation of compliance programs. You know, one thing that I think has been interesting with that in the US is that when you encourage companies to self-report, but they are a global company with operations in multiple countries, it raises these questions of, well, what happens if we self-report in the US but not in Italy. You know, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on, you know, whether Italy's recent amendments address that issue for multinational companies that may be operating in two different jurisdictions and how they balance reporting in different countries. No, unfortunately, there are not provisions uh, in uh, this regard. Uh, what happens with clients is that uh, they have uh, this question in mind. So what happens if I self-report to the DOJ? What happens in Italy if the two authorities exchange information? Uh, of course, a criminal proceeding uh, may start in Italy. And the self-report in the US does not have any impact in Italy. This is uh, the reality now. I know you can't talk about any of your specific clients or specific cases, but in your experience, have you seen a lot that Italian authorities are communicating with the US or the UK when you have those cross-border operations? It's more when US authorities call uh, Italian prosecutor, in my experience. So is uh, we have criminal proceeding in Italy, which may trigger FCPA violations. And so the DOJ asks Italian prosecutors to, to cooperate, to exchange information. This, this is in my experience. You know, we've talked a little bit about Italy's new anti-corruption law and how it is actually more similar now to you know the FCPA. And as a US lawyer, that's my wheelhouse. The FCPA is what I know well. For a long time, it was kind of the standard for a lot of companies globally on how they were basing you know their operations and addressing bribery risk. But now that you're seeing you know Italy with a, a more robust anti-corruption law and some of these other countries having you know, more robust laws and more enforcement. When you're talking to clients in Europe, is the FCPA still sort of a standard for them from a compliance program perspective? Or is that kind of dropping back in favor of these more local regulations? What I see is that companies have uh, in mind uh, global risks uh, associated with corruption. Uh, companies have more and more global operations uh, and both national and foreign authorities, as you were saying, uh, aggressively prosecute bribery offenses. Uh, so there is a mixture of attention to local laws and foreign laws. Uh, 
I think that it's interesting for you to, to know that in Italy and in the US, also foreign individuals and foreign companies may be prosecuted for bribery offenses. And very, very recently in April, Italian Supreme Court established jurisdiction in corporate criminal liability cases over foreign companies without principal offices in Italy when these companies failed to prevent crimes committed by their associates in our country wow. um yeah exactly yeah that's a that's a broad reach that's really yeah. interesting yeah, this is very interesting. Uh, in fact, as a consequence of this ruling, uh, Supreme Court said that foreign companies are now required to implement compliance programs that meet uh, the standards provided by Italian law in order to avoid liability. Yeah, which is a very big thing, uh, even because in uh, saying this, uh, Supreme Court didn't clarify what uh, exactly foreign companies uh, have to do. in. Uh, Previous ruling from tribunals, judges said that uh code of conduct, having in place only code of conduct uh, is not sufficient under Italian law. So now the challenge is to understand uh, how to craft a compliance program of a foreign company which can be useful in Italy to avoid corporate criminal liability. For any clients out there, this is something that would be really important to consider if you are, you know, operating at all in Italy, even if you're not based there, that this may apply. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So what we can say without any kind of indications from the from our case law is that, of course, compliance programs need to be structured following a risk assessment analysis, and then companies should have specific protocols and procedures for the prevention of crimes, and also have whistleblowing procedure in place, and so that control should be successful fully implemented, not only design, uh, and that should be that trainings are necessary. So all these typical things of compliance programs. Yeah. And now you, you just mentioned whistleblowing. And I understand there was a new European directive on whistleblowing last year. And would love to hear first kind of your take on what the directive says and then what that means in terms of the future of investigations in Europe. You're right, the directive uh, has been enacted in 2019 uh, in order to, I would say, guarantee European standard for the protection of whistleblowers. And now EU member states are obliged to implement the directive within 2021. And the core of the directive is the protection for whistleblowers. But the directive, if we want to, to make a sort of summary, the directive imposes a number of obligations on companies. First, companies have to set up suitable internal reporting channels. They have to guarantee the confidentiality of the reporting person and of the report in general to designate person uh, or a department which is competent for the investigation on the reports and feedback has to be provided to the whistleblowers. These are the, in a nutshell, uh, the key messages from the directive. In Italy, we implemented a whistleblowing law in 2017. And it's interesting to note that the law, in addition to, to say that whistleblowers should be protected, law said that whistleblowing schemes uh, should be incorporated in the compliance 
insurance programs of the company in order to avoid corporate criminal liability. And this already had an impact on the internal investigations because a large number of companies in Italy have in place compliance program. So they started to adopt uh, whistleblowing procedures uh, and as a consequence they started to investigate uh, internal concerns that are raised from employees. So we are observing an increasing trend in internal investigations in Italy and I assume that it will be the same in the European space. With Italy in particular, are you seeing that you have more whistleblowers over time coming forward or is it more just that companies are now investigating issues? Whistleblowing is something that is not part of our culture in general. So I think that uh, we need some time uh, (laughs) to start uh, using really this kind of tool. But I see that in these three years uh, that uh, employees started to raise concerns uh, through whistleblowing uh, channels. So I believe that in uh, five years uh, we will uh, have more reports. With Italy's whistleblowing law in particular, you know, all of the different obligations on businesses, do any of those have a sort of a public disclosure element where, you know, it has to be posted on the company's webpage of how they're addressing this? Or is it all just that the company has to meet the requirements? No, the companies just have to meet the requirements for companies operating uh, in the public sector, so public state-owned companies, there are some obligations regarding publishing the numbers uh, of uh, whistleblowing reports on their websites, but for private companies, no. Uh, And in general, as to the disclosure obligations, in Italy, we do not have any kind of obligation of disclosure vis-a-vis the authorities of uh, internal reports. or misconducts in general. This is all very informative to me. So um, (laughs) I appreciate you answering all my questions here. Another kind of broader question on the whistleblowing directive, are there any subject matter limitations? Or is it a whistleblower who reports anything, regardless of what the subject is? The the subject uh, should be illicit behavior, mainly violations of internal procedures, uh, not personal concerns uh, or uh, employment issues. And are you seeing a a trend in in the types of complaints that whistleblowers have been raising in Italy in the last couple of years? Yes, I think that employees are very sensible to health and safety violations. So I think this is uh, the first one. And the second, bribery. And third, internal fraud. And I want to go back, you mentioned earlier, some of the changes around self-reporting and encouraging companies to, I guess, rewarding companies that voluntarily disclose misconduct and cooperate with investigations that they will receive kind of either lower penalties or no penalties. That strikes me as something that, you know, it's very new in Italy. And I'm curious from, you know, your clients and the companies you've dealt with, what the reaction is of companies that are, you know, Italian companies to that notion of self-reporting misconduct. Yeah, what I see with my clients is no reaction now for the moment. (laughs) But because rewarding the 
the author of a crime for self-disclosing something that has been traditionally alien to our system. So it's something really new, as you were saying. And my experience, what I've seen is that foreign companies with activities, a subsidiary in Italy, are interested in self-disclosure. I managed uh, in the past uh, and I'm managing now three cases of self-disclosure and they are all driven by the foreign uh, parent company. That makes sense. If if it's a US company, they're a little more familiar with this exactly. concept and have had you know more time to, to adjust to it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Even because in Italy, we do not have a specific law on self-disclosure. We have some benefit uh, with regard to, to bribery and with uh, criminal tax offenses. But with uh, as to other of, uh, criminal offenses, uh, uh, there are no provisions regarding self-disclosure. That makes it challenging to make that decision as a client on, yeah. on whether to go forward. Well, I have kind of one last topic I wanted to cover with you, and then we'll see if there's anything else you'd like to discuss today. But, you know, so as a U.S. lawyer, right, we are, I'm often engaged to do internal investigations for a, a U.S. company that may be operating in Italy or in Europe or in other countries. And, you know, we are looking at the U.S. legal perspective, but you know, as an Italian lawyer, as someone who kind of understands how the laws work there and in Europe and more more generally, you know, are there any issues that I or, or other U.S. counsel should be thinking about before we start in, an investigation in Europe, particularly if there may be misconduct in Italy, for example? Yeah, yeah. you have to think to several, <laughs> to several issues. And uh, what happened in my experience is that I had the occasion to, to cooperate with US lawyers in uh, investigation, internal investigations in Italy, because local uh, laws matter in this case in internal investigations. First, uh, from a legal privilege standpoint, which is, you know, better than me, this is crucial in an internal investigation process. In Italy, internal investigations uh, have to be carried out by an Italian lawyer following certain formalities provided for by the Italian Code of Criminal Procedure to have the legal privilege protection. And uh, the same formalities are, are also necessary if you want to disclose the findings of the internal investigation in the criminal procedure. So this is crucial uh, from uh, an Italian perspective. So we should call you. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully yes, <laughs> or another colleague. But uh, yes, you, you should call an Italian lawyer. And second, there are also labor law issues. Italian labor law is very specific with regard to the disciplinary procedures. So, which are relevant when you want to dismiss someone uh, as a remedial action. That attorneys uh, must be very careful when conducting interviews with employees, and they must avoid explicitly contesting behavior, which will be then the base for the dismissal. Because otherwise, if you make a sort of contestation during the interview, this should uh, make the process, uh, the disciplinary process, invalid. 
So this is another thing that you have to consider carefully. And third, uh, just this just to give you the most important uh, aspects uh, is data protection laws. I know that uh, now US colleagues, you are very familiar with G GDPR, but as we noticed uh, two days ago, two, one, two days ago, the interpretation of the GDPR is evolving. There is this recent, very recent decision of the European Court of Justice that declared in the privacy shield. So also from a data protection perspective with regard to data transfers is very, very important to consult with an Italian or a European lawyer. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think data protection is a it's an issue that is easy to forget about at the beginning of an yes. investigation in particular. And it's incredibly important in how you can use that information down the road. So that's a excellent point to raise here. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's very frequent, unfortunately, that some in Italy that sometimes internal investigations are carried out without thinking the possible data privacy consequences. So it's something that you correctly said should be addressed at the very beginning. Well, Ilaria, I think we're nearing our 30 minute mark here. This has been incredibly helpful for me just to hear about some of the developments in, you know, Italian law and trends with investigations in the EU in general. Before we sign off today, are there any other points you want to raise? No, I think we, we covered a lot of interesting topics. So I'm fine with this and I'm very happy <laughs> to have that for this conversation. Well, thank you again for joining us today. This has been great. Uh, thank you, Chelsea. Thank you very much. <laughs> this concludes this episode of White Collar Briefly. Please visit whitecollarbriefly.com where you can subscribe to our blog and find additional updates on current white collar and compliance topics. White Collar Briefly, a Perkins Coie mini pod. Copyright 2020 by Perkins Coie LLP. Thank you for listening.